Today, we're talking about blessing. Um, I, I like to think of our Christian experience when it comes to the Bible as living it out in balance. Balance is so important to me. Not the balance of what you and I think, but the balance of what the scriptures say. Uh, and so we need a good diet. We need a balanced diet to be healthy physically, right? Well, you need a good intake or a good diet spiritually to be healthy as well. And we've been talking about that the last couple of weeks. Some people think of a balanced diet as, you know, uh, a cookie in each hand. And, you know, there's, there's some, some balance. But if you just eat cookies, you, you're going to get fat. Let's just call it what it is. And you won't feel well and you'll not have as much energy, you know, a little sugar high for a moment. And everything will wane eventually. So, so you've got to have some good intake. Well, uh, let's look at, and I know this is redundant, but I'm, I'm doing something that I think will strengthen our fellowship the last three weeks. We're really learning about who we are and what we're trying to do here. So you remember the mission statement, third week in a row I'm going to read it, purpose statement, encouraging people to follow Jesus Christ with their whole heart. That's what we're all about here at Horizon. And we try to bring this about by working these three B's that we've been bringing to you. The first is belong, and you can see it on the screen, I'll just read through it quickly, to the family of God belong to the family of God and help others do the same and the vital signs that would be there in belonging are the connection pieces uh, which would be the large gathering you come here you get to connect with people know people and the small group where you really get to know one another pray for one another encourage one another in life and when you're doing those things you're hooked into really being connected to the family of God and then become I talked about last week become more like Jesus every day that is the goal of the believer right we're followers of Jesus Christ and the vital signs there how do we do that we, we learn to pray I'm not just talking corporate prayer but personally we learn to pray we read the Bible which is feeding ourselves right you don't want just one meal a week in life so it can't be just preaching you, you need to feed yourself by reading the Bible. We have the Horizon Journals out there that help us with that, with the kind of a Bible reading plan and a prayer plan to show you how to pray through the Scriptures and pray for your life. That's a tool we use for that. But we think the small group or the life groups, uh, small groups in general as well, are also a piece of this growth and becoming more like Jesus because we study the Bible there, right? We look at what the Scriptures say, apply them to our lives. So, so becoming, we think those are vital signs. And today, we're going to talk about bless. Now, when we talk healthy in life, uh, it, it's true that a great deal of having success of being healthy and your body working at its optimum would be what you eat or what you in digest or your intake. And if you want to feel well and be healthy, you have to eat a, a balanced diet. And that's true. But that's not all it is physically, is it? Because you need to exercise too. That's when you really get healthy, when you diet and you eat well. Rather not diet, but you eat well. And, and, then you, and then you exercise, then you'll come up with some optimum health if you do those things well. It's true spiritually too. The first two weeks we talked about the first two Bs. Those were intake, to, to belong to the family, to, uh, to be blessed by one another in that regard, but then to become, you know, the word and prayer. Those are those were received from the Lord. But today, now we're going to talk about spiritual exercise, and that's the outflow, which is blessing. If you want to be healthy as a Christian, you don't just digest you release, you exercise uh, what God has put in you and let others know of this fullness. Uh, and I, I like the word, it's a unique word in the scriptures. One version says, lavish his love upon others. He's, and he's lavished his love upon us. So that's the output. And so let's look at bless. What we mean by that is bless people around us and across the world. And the vital signs are serving, sharing, and caring for others. 
Now, I'm just telling you that you won't be as healthy as you can be as a believer if, if all you ever have is intake and you have no output. Think of a pond. If it doesn't have a, if it, if it doesn't have a, a flow outwards, it becomes stagnant, right? And, and, and there's, uh, it gets mossy and eventually things in there die and, and it doesn't work right. We need to have a flow of His Holy Spirit coming into us, but an outflow as well for it to stay clean and fresh and be life-changing for others. So it has to do with serving. 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen people. It's talking about us. You are royal priests. Do you ever think of yourself that way? That's what God says you are if you're his child. A holy nation, God's very own possession. You're his possession. As a result, you can show others good, the goodness of God. So there's what God wants us to do with our life, to show his goodness to others. The goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let me pray, and I'm going to share three things that I hope will bless your life today about blessing others. Oh God, we, uh, we need you. I'm, uh, I'm just a preacher, Lord. And uh, though I want your blessing to flow from me today, I'm very aware that unless your Holy Spirit shows up, nothing of real value will take place. So presence of God, I invite you to whisper into the hearts of your children that you would work through the word that is read and the preaching that lifts you up and Lord, that we'd hear your call to not only be hearers of the word, but to be, to be doers and to give and bless others. I pray you to help us with this in Jesus' name, amen. So, three, three short things today. First of all, you were created to do good works. Um, for about five decades, it seems that the emphasis in the church in America, when we talk about worship um, and, and what we were created for, the church would tell us we were created to worship. And that's cool, we're created to worship, we're going to worship around the throne in heaven and sing praises to the king, but I, I, I think we fall short with, if we just keep it in that definition of what God's called us to do, because uh, unless your definition of worship means that you do his works as well, because that is worship as well, uh, if you have that in your meaning of worship, then yeah, I'll go with that. But if you just mean we're just going to praise him and you know, have this uh, you know, great feelings, that's not enough, because that's not true. It's more than that. It's that, but it's more. And the more is that you were created to worship him and feel his presence and be blessed, but you were created to take that love that he gives you and spread it around. You were created to do good works. This may not seem like a big deal, but let me tell you something. You are not going to be fulfilled in life unless you get into the adventure that he's called you to, a plan specifically for your life. You're, you're a person that he has a plan for. In Ephesians 2.10, he says, God, it says, God has made us what we are. So for each of us, he made me what I am, he made you what you are. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do good works, which God planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. He created you to do good works and he has a plan already for your life. That plan, if we're gonna do good works, includes serving, giving, having that generous heart and spreading his love. If I had a thought that would carry the emphasis of what I'm trying to say in one sentence today, it's this one right here. I love this quote from Francis Chan. The point of your life is to point to him. The point of your life is to point to Jesus. We get distracted in life, don't we? And we can get distracted with good things. Now this is kind of trippy, but you can, you can get distracted by doing good works where Jesus isn't the, the emphasis. But if Jesus is the emphasis, 
of our lives and spreading his love, then good works will flow from us. And that's how you really want it to go. Start with the love of Jesus and just let the outflow come. You'll love others the way he does. But the point of our life is to point to him. Just turn to someone on either side and say, the point of your life is to point to him. Don't have an attitude. Be real nice. But the point of your life is to point to him. You say, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, I'm just telling you, that's where joy is. You know, you're wondering where's the joy in life? The joy in life comes from doing what you were created to do. And you'll find blessing there. 1 Peter 2, 12 says this. People who, not, who do not believe are living all around you. Boy, isn't that true in America right now when you go to work? Someone told me the other day that we're the fourth largest mission field in the world now. Amer- the United States of America. Think of all the countries in the world, and we're fourth when it comes to people who do not believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? We had a missionary from India coming to reach America as a missionary here just a couple weeks ago. We have them coming from Korea and Africa. Missionaries are coming to America now because we need Jesus. How do we show this world that so desperately needs Jesus, this nation, how do we show them Jesus, people who do not believe are living all around you and you might say that you are doing, and they might say rather, and might say that you're doing wrong and here's an answer to us. This is one one of the ways our nation will know. Live such good lives that they will see the good things you do. Now notice that the outflow of, of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the love of God coming through us to love others. We're doing good things And then that way we give glory to God, it says. I want you to take a look at this that was sitting on your seat when you came in. It says, my horizon. And uh, I just want to show you, uh, you know, some things. We're going to have other things in front of you down the line in just a few weeks where we reach out into our community. But we need help showing people the love of God when they walk through these doors. And you can see the ways in there from children's ministry to youth and creative arts and middle school, high school, the welcome team, uh, we, we need you. And this is one of the ways that you can begin to serve now with the gifts you have. And if you're not sure what your gifts are, look, look down about three quarters. It says, I'm not sure right now, uh, but would like to learn more. Just check that and we'll help you figure out a good place that you can serve with your heart, your gifts, and the makeup that God's given you. And if you uh, will fill that out, if you're interested in serving and helping us reach people and helping the love of God uh, be seen in a, in a prolific way here when people walk onto this campus, then just fill that out and drop it in the offering as the offering bag passes by today. But I want to share with you, not only are we thinking about uh, ways we can reach out in our church so people feel his love when they walk in here, but I'm really focused in ways that we can reach out beyond the walls of this church. I told you the other day to remember February 10th. It's, it's, it's It's going to be a key date for us. And let me tell you a little bit more about that now, some vision coming forth. Let me start with this. This is the 20th year of my ministry here at Horizon as the senior pastor. 23 if you count youth ministry. And uh, I know that's hard for you to believe because I look so young. Um, but I'm 52. And, and um, I'm grateful for what the Lord's done here at this church. Before I showed up and after I showed up and all that he's done through, through you. It, it's been a wild ride and it's been really, really fun. God's done some amazing things. But I'm not ready to sit on what we've done and just think about the past. This church is going to be propelled forward by the Holy Spirit and a plan that God is dropping in my heart to present to you. 
a new day at Horizon, February 10th. 20 new things are going to roll out before you, 10 of them in the next five months. And, and uh, 20, because it's my 20th year and I'm not going to sit on my hands. We're going to go forward. 20 new things that we're going to be doing. We're not taking anything away, we're adding. And today I'm rolling out one of those that'll start in the next year when we come into it. But we're, we're working towards it now and you'll hear more in our missions convention about it. It's called C4. We have an organization coming in from Seattle. It's a ministry organization that's going to go to the cities around us. Tualatin, Tigard, West Lynn, Sherwood, um, Portland, and who did I leave out there? Wilsonville. Those are the, church, those are the, the, the areas that are predominantly, uh, we're, we're made up of our attendance. And we're going to, this organization is an independent organization that's working for us to go to the civic and government civil leaders in our communities and ask them what their greatest needs are. So we're not telling them what we want to do for them. We're showing them we care because we're going to take all the information that they send back to us. And believe me, they'll talk more honestly to an independent organization than they will to us about what they need. And they'll talk more honestly and, and probably ask questions about, we've been wondering where the church is, you know. But we'll take that information that is compiled. C4, this organization from, uh, from Seattle, will compile it all for us with some recommendations. And we're going to prayerfully consider what the Lord would have us to do to reach out to our own communities more than ever. We've been great. I should I'll change that. We've been pretty good at reaching to the world. I want to be great at reaching into our community where people have needs, where there's single mothers and there's kids, latchkey kids that are having struggles. We're going to find out what our community says. We're going to pray for consider and we're going to build a plan to be more effective reaching out to our community than we've ever been. That's one of the 20 changes that is coming. We're going to direct, our goal is to direct 25% of our missions budget, which I think I think we'll, we'll, we'll be around a half million dollars this year. I'm not positive of that, but that's how much we're giving out beyond us. And, and praise the Lord for your generosity in doing that. But now we want to direct not only our funds, but our energies towards our own community so they can see how much we love them. We've, we've built our own little fortresses in the church across America, and we've invited people in. We're, we're trying to wave them in from the streets, but that's not the way it works, is it? We're supposed to go out into the highways and the byways, the Bible says, and compel them to come in. And one of the ways we can do it is by showing them how much we love them, by bringing the love of God and doing good works all around us where we're at. And then we'll create opportunities not only for you to sign up for something in this church, we're gonna have opportunities that we have of need in our own communities where we'll be reaching out and caring in a substantial way and sharing the love of God. That's the first of the 20 things. More to come on that. February 10th. Do not miss that day. I'm just telling you. Galatians 5, 6 says this. I remember the first time I read this scripture as a young believer. The only thing that counts is, I was reading the scriptures and I read that and before I read the rest of it, my spirit got excited. It's like, oh my, the only thing that counts is, the Bible just said, the only thing that counts is, what is next? Because it must be really important. And I looked down and it said this, faith expressing itself through love. Now I want you to notice, it didn't say the only thing that counts is faith. And I want you to notice it didn't say the only thing that counts is love. Because if you have faith and you have love without expressing it, what good is it doing anyone? How will they know unless someone sees us come, unless they hear us tell of the goodness of God? 
And what I'm talking about when I say blessing is the expression of his love coming through us. It's not that we're a big deal. It's not that even that we're great at loving. It's that he's great at loving. And he's loved us and we can love others because we feel the comfort of his love and we want them to feel it as well. You were created to do this. You were. And you'll feel best when you find what is it that he wants me to do and you start expressing his love through the gifts he's given you. And here's next thought. You are uniquely gifted. Now think of this. There's never before been a person like you in the world. Nobody who looks exactly like you. My wife has an identical twin, but I've always been able to tell them apart easily because they're still totally unique. They both have personalities, but they're, they're similar in a lot of ways, but very distinctly different in others. And even in that closeness, it's, it's, there, there's, there's, a, there's a vast difference still yet. No one has ever been like you. And think of this, God who created. The atmosphere spinning around uh, hundreds of thousands of miles an hour. We have gravity, and I don't even understand it all. How, how could we be standing still when the world's spinning? I, I, I don't even completely get it. It takes a measure of faith for me to believe science sometimes. But it's true. God created all the animals and all the species of the earth and all the trees and the nature and the mountains and he's awesome. I mean, how could, how could you not believe as, as complex as, as the world is that there, ha- that there was someone who created? And then, then this thought on top of that. Do you know what the prize of his creation is? With everything he created, do you know what his prize is? It's you. Human beings. The coolest thing he's ever done is create you. You are his prize. You are his masterpiece. And here's what I want you to know. God doesn't create any junk. He doesn't make any mistakes. And you say, well, I don't have a lot. And I'm not. Look, you have more than it takes to have a miraculous impact. If you'll just release who you are and what he's made you to be, and sometimes we don't even know. Sometimes the thing that's so cool in you, you don't even value. It's a gift. It's his thumbprint. It's his fingerprints on you. But when we surrender whatever we have, however great or small those gifts are, and his Holy Spirit comes to push wind into the sails, amazing things can happen. Incredible things. Here are some of the gifts. Maybe you don't know what your gifts are. Let me just show you some gifts that are in the Bible. I'll put them in three categories. Motivational gifts in Romans. Prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving. Those are gifts. That's a way that you can, you can express uh, who the Lord's made you. You know, I, I believe God wants to raise up Christian, li- listen to me, I believe God wants to raise up Christian businessmen who are filthy rich in this world. And I, and I want to tell you why. Filthy is probably not a good word in, in the context that I'm going. Who, who have a lot of money. Here's why. If it's a true man or woman of God, you can never give them too much money because what they have will go back to God's kingdom. A true man or woman of God gets it. They're just stewards. They don't own anything. And when he raises men and women of God up, and you see rich people all through the Bible. They're everywhere. Abraham had more money than everybody around him, but it was all God's and he knew it and it went out to build God's kingdom and to build the holy nation of Israel that God had planned in those days. 
And I believe that that gift of encouragement, the gift of giving, and then the gift of leadership. Some of you are leaders. God wants to take hold of that and do something for his kingdom. The gift of mercy. Sometimes people wonder, where is that gift of mercy in this group right here? Well, they decided not to sit in the circle today. We need the gift of mercy working among us. There's a special gift given to some of you that others don't have. I don't really have the, I'm merciful at times, but I don't have the gift of mercy. And that's why I don't counsel people. They come in, they tell me what's going wrong in their lives, and I hear what they did wrong, and I say, stop that. Just don't do that anymore. That's, you know, I want to say it's dumb, but I just say, stop. In the name of Jesus, stop, and they leave, and they're no better, you know. They need need someone to come alongside them, you know. I'm I'm a preacher. I'm a leader. I, I speak the truth in love, but I see black and white a lot, you know. But people need a hand to hold. They need grace, they need truth, but they need grace. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And I have those things in me, and they show up at times. But if we don't, what I'm saying is, if we don't have the gift of mercy in the body functioning, we're not who we should be. We don't look exactly like Jesus if that gift isn't functioning among us. If that gift doesn't say to me when I have a plan sometimes, and believe me, they, they sit at a table when we plan and speak in these thoughts of mercy, then I'll come out in balance sometimes. I need you, you need me, we need each other. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, we are the body of Christ and every one of us must come to the table and use those gifts for God if the church is going to have the impact that he wants it to have. Then there are the spiritual gifts, manifestations that God will impart as he wishes and as he wills. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation. Those are gifts that are still alive in the church. They're in the New Testament. They still function today. And we need all those gifts functioning to be who, who the Lord would have us to be. There are ministry gifts in Ephesians 4. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers. And then we see other gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Administration. The administrator is awesome. They make sure that there's process that actually works to be effective so it's not uh, just chaos that goes on. And God uses the administrator in fantastic ways. And then the gift of helps. It's a gift mentioned in the Bible. People come alongside to help with that loving handshake and that care and coming alongside people and serving. It's wonderful. And you add to those gifts, and you, you've got some, one or several of those gifts. You may not know it, but you have them. And so God can use you incredibly. And you add to that your personality, which God gave you as well, the makeup of your person, who you are. And the talent, talent's not the same as spiritual gift, but the, any talent you have, if you can sing, if you're an athlete, uh, if, if you can make money, all those things, uh, talents that God gives, and if you give him all you are, and let these gifts and talents be released for his glory, it'll be amazing. I love this scripture in Psalm 138, verse eight. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. You know what I like about that? He has a purpose for me. (laughs) He has a purpose for you. They're not the same. It's unique and different because it has to do with our gifting and makeup and talent and personality. We're all different. Nobody else ever like you. Nobody else will ever be like you in all of the existence of eternity. You're totally unique. And he has a purpose for you in that uniqueness. I like the scriptures where it says that David fulfilled his purpose in his generation. That is cool. Don't you want to do that? I would love to fulfill my purpose, the purpose God has for me in this generation. And I believe God has a purpose for you in this generation. And I want you to be excited about that. There may be some who say, 
well, if you really knew me, you'd know that I don't have much talent. Or there may be someone here who's been kicked and knocked around in life a little bit. Sadly, one of the, one of the things that brings dysfunction and makes people quit as much as anything is when parents don't seem to understand the love of God so they can't, they can't show the love of God to their children and they'll put them down. Sometimes they want to help them and they think putting them down is helping them. But eventually a child will begin to think, I can't do it, uh, I'm stupid. If I was valuable, God wouldn't let this happen to me. I'm nothing, I'm no one, and they quit. They quit on life. And they quit through their 20s, their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and sometimes what the beauty of what God put in them never comes out because someone knocked them down. Listen, whatever the voice, whether it was a parent, and you know, I, I love parents, I believe in parents, but we, the reality is sometimes parents don't get it right, right? Sometimes they don't know how they're loved so they can't love right. But even if it's not a parent, if it's, a, if it's an endeavor that you've had before in ministry and, and you failed or someone thought little of you, I just want to encourage you today not to believe the voice of the enemy that lies and says you're nothing or you can't or quit or stay down or just coast because it's too much trouble to try to do work for God. Let me share with you a few stories with people who, uh, who didn't have really a good start. Bill Gates, you've heard of him before. Have you heard of Trafodata? That was the very first business endeavor he dropped out of Harvard to start uh, with his partner, Paul Allen. Trafodata was a serious failure. It didn't work at all. And he dropped out of Harvard to start it. Well, we know from history that Bill Gates didn't tuck his tail and quit, did he? The next one worked out all right, a little organization called Microsoft. Most of us think of Albert Einstein as synonymous with genius, right? But he didn't show much promise when he was a little guy. He didn't speak, he couldn't talk until he was four years old. He couldn't read until he was seven. His teachers and parents thought he was mentally handicapped. He was slow, it seemed, and antisocial. Didn't interact well. He was expelled from his school, was refused admittance to the Zurich Polytechnic School. And it took him a little while to get on track with what had been put in him by God, but most people would agree that in the end, the Nobel Prize winning Albert Einstein um, did all right. He actually was pretty intelligent, and even his parents couldn't see it. You know who Jerry Seinfeld is? Did you know the first time he went out to do comedy on a stage that he froze up, he couldn't talk, and he was jeered and booed off the stage? Without saying a word, he left. But he didn't quit, did he? (laughs) Came back, and he's done all right, hasn't he? Harrison Ford was told in one of the films, that first films he did, by a movie executive, you simply don't have what it takes to be a star. By the way, don't become one of those people that say those negative words or you'll be part of their story someday. <laughs> we know that Han Solo, Indiana Jones, did all right. He did all right with those characters, right? In fact, he did have what it took, even though others didn't believe in him. Did you know Steven Spielberg 
was rejected by the University of Southern California School of Theater, Film, and Television not once, but three times he was refused admittance because he didn't seem to have what it took on paper. As a matter of fact, he did his whole film career without a college education. In 2002, when most of his mega hits had already taken place, he went back to school and got his B.A., Elvis Presley, one of the best-selling artists of all times. You know him. He's a household name. Years after his death, we know the story that in 1954, when he was still a nobody, the manager of the Grand Old Opry named Jimmy Denny, we'll give him credit here, fired Elvis Presley after one performance at the Grand Old Opry and told him, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck. Just because someone doesn't see it in you doesn't mean it's not there. Tom Landry. Now, we all know him as a Super Bowl coach of the Dallas Cowboy. Some of you don't, but I'm going to tell you because I like the Cowboys because of Landry. It goes back to those days for me. Good Christian guy. Gone now to be with the Lord. Loved Jesus. But won two Super Bowls, five NFC championships while he was um, a coach. Winning his coach ever for the Dallas Cowboys. Did you know he's on record as having tied for having the worst season ever in the NFL? Zero wins his first year. For the next four years after that, he never won more than five games a season. But he went on to be a winner. And he didn't quit. I just want you to know that whatever the reason you may lay down and stop, you say, well, you, those are all secular things. Listen, I, I, I think God wants people in secular industries that live for him. Look what Tom Landry did. The witness that that brother gave with his life and his words for Jesus. And it was football that he was involved in. I think God wants you to be involved in the world to, to have Jesus flow through you, but to know that you should not quit just because someone doesn't believe in you. Sometimes, I'm here to tell you today, some of you in business have not even credited some of the problems you're having to persecution, but that's what it was. Because you're a believer, someone tried to knock you down. Keep your heart sweet. Keep your attitude right. You can tell a lot by a person when they get hit hard. What comes out? Bitterness or sweetness. And if Jesus is in us when we get hit hard, we don't quit because he's our strength and we keep moving forward and his sweetness flows from us. Philippians 1.6 And I am certain that God who began the good work within you, he's doing a good work, I love that old saying, be patient with me because God's not finished with me yet. Began the good work within you. And here's what he says to you today. I'm going to continue to do my good work in you. That's what the word says. He will continue his work until it is finally finished. Did you know that life is a series of ups and downs? And what will determine success in your life is how well you navigate the ups and the downs. Humility with the ups. Courage with the downs. Yeah, that's what life is. It's just ups and downs. It's not all ups, for sure. So don't, don't be thinking everything should go peachy keen because you're a Christian. This isn't heaven. I mean, there's, there's a spiritual war going on. The enemy doesn't want that sweet love of Jesus to come out of you. But God will help you. And he'll continue his work. And the third point, I'm kind of already on it, is you can make a difference. I love the story of Gideon. It is spoken of in Judges 6. He's hiding out 
doing some work behind the scenes because the bordering <clears throat> uh, enemy, the, uh, an enemy country, is raiding their land, raiding, coming in, stealing all their crops, um, killing people, and they have no strength at all in Israel. And it seems that the people of God are lost and forgotten and God's nowhere to be found. And then God shows up to talk to a guy nobody knows named Gideon. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, to this guy nobody knew, mighty hero. To me, that's, that's, that's comedy in the Bible. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites I am sending you. And here's what Gideon said. <clears throat> How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I'm the least in my entire family. Well, here's another thing we need to know. God really can use people who are humble. <laughs> if you don't think you're the big deal, then he can show through you that he's the big deal. Right? We're not the big deal. Anything we have, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. See, he missed that part, mighty hero. The next part was the Lord is with you. That's where he should have heard. He heard hero. I'm not hero and he gets that. But the, when the Lord is with you, whatever his, the gifts and makeup he's given you, when his Holy Spirit comes in to bring the power, miracles start to happen. <clears throat> he said, I'm the least. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you. Verse 16. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. See, when he gets on board and when we follow his will, not our own. <clears throat> someone said, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. Sometimes our plans aren't his plans. But when we find his plan and he adds his spirit to the gifting that he's put within us and his supernatural power shows up then these things that seem so big are as if there's only one person we're battling and, they're just, and it's destroyed. The work of God. We're not destroying people here. We're talking about works now. The work and the love of God destroy the works of the enemy. <clears throat> God said to his servant Joshua in Joshua 1.5, think of this task. He's to follow the greatest prophet that had ever lived in that, to that day, Moses. He's the next in line. And God says, it's you. And he says, oh, oh, oh. anybody else you could think of? Because Moses is a pretty hard act to follow. And the Lord said to him, as, as, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, when, when we're doing it in him, when we're on board with him, he's not on board with us. When we get on board with him, with his plan, he does things to his people in Isaiah 41.10. He says, do, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. See, keep the main thing the main thing. The point of our life is to point to Jesus. And when we get that right, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I remember years ago, <clears throat> I think it was the first year I was here. It might have been the second as your pastor. I was at a large church in Portland. They had just built this massive campus out. And I sat in a big sanctuary thinking of all the works these people have done across Portland and the impact they're having for God and thinking, wow, Lord, you've done an amazing thing here. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I'm all alone in this big room. And the Lord said to me, I want to build a great church in Tualatin. And I knew he meant us. And I, I fell to my knees in that setting and I said to him, this is what I said, just being honest. I said, Lord, I'm not sure I can do it. 
And he said to me, I heard the whisper of his voice say, I didn't say you could do it. I said I could do it. I want to build a great church. And I said, Lord, if that's what you want to do, then, then I'm in. Lead me. And see, when the Lord has his plan and he takes any simple-minded guy even like me and, and you or lady too, if we'll just give ourselves completely to him and his spirit starts to work, he doesn't need much of a person if he can get all of the person because it's his glory that he's going to show anyway. Zechariah 4.6, you will not succeed by your own strength or your own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, the Lord all-powerful. So if you think that not much can happen through you, I want you to take a look at this story. It's a story, a video here in just a moment, of a first grader in our school system, Horizon Elementary School, named Abby. Check out what the Lord did through Abby recently. We'd had a listening chapel where the students had been given a pad of paper and a pencil. And at that listening chapel, Abby wrote down, our school needs to buy Bibles for street kids in Egypt. During listening chapel, God gave me the thought about people that sit on the street without Bibles, so I decided to help them by giving out bracelets. God told me to write. God wants me to ask the school to donate Bibles for Egypt. God wants me to help the people on the street when I grow up. I can't even put it into words. The power of what he's doing through her and that she listened and that she, she took it on and with such you know, maturity for a first grader. It's like, wow, he's really working. And you can see it firsthand through your own child. And Abby, what are you willing to do to raise the money? She said, well, I think we're supposed to sell bracelets. Well, when would we do that? Well, I think we'd do it in the cafeteria at lunch. I had a table standing up in the cafeteria, and I was selling bracelets up when people came up with their money, and a lot of people came up to buy bracelets. I only have 17 bracelets left, and I'm like, wow. You know, we had no idea. You know, I'm, I'm saving her papers, I'm saving the emails between Judy and I, so when she's older, she can be like, I did this. I did this in first grade. Sorry. <laughs> so let me tell you the rest of the story. She announces in a chapel that for six weeks she's going to be selling the bracelets for a dollar. She's figured out, because this little girl's working it, trying to figure out how do I get 80 Bibles. The American Bible Society told her that they would be able to provide children's Bibles at $5 a piece that would be illustrated that, that they could take and ship to a place in Ethiopia where they knew they could be used. They, they, told, they, they somehow let Abby and her mother know that they had chosen a place outside of uh, Cairo and it was, a, it was, a, it was the, the city that was on the dump there. They call it Garbage City. There's 400 residents that live out there and the American Bible Society said, we've identified a group of believers. Now listen, you can get killed in Egypt for being a Christian, right? You, you're watching the news this last couple weeks. This is interesting in light of what's going on in Egypt with the rebellion and the hate of the, uh, uh, you know, towards people in the West and, and they kill Christians on a regular basis in Egypt. There's a lot of martyrs there. But the American Bible Society said, we've identified 35 people. It's, it's illegal to be an evangelist or to evangelize there, but, so you can't come in. But if they find a church, the American Bible Society that's already there, made up of Egyptians, they can distribute Bibles through them. So they found them. 
Because Abby, they, they even put Abby in their newsletter for the month. Abby not only got in the next six weeks $400 to buy those 80 Bibles, but she got uh, 635, so 127 Bibles. Go to the garbage city. And a businessman heard about this. And he said, listen, why don't we put together a package and we'll put Twinkies in there with that illustrated Bible for the children. So on the dump in Egypt, and I guess there's pictures. I, I tried to find them and I couldn't really get ones with high enough resolution to show you today. But they actually have pictures where the Bibles are distributed in Egypt to all these, you know, there's 400 there and 127 children's Bibles are distributed. And the children were acting like it was Christmas holding up Bible in one hand and Twinkies in the other. <laughs> And saying, we want to serve the God that gives Twinkies and Bibles, you know. <laughs> and all of this started with a little girl named Abby. You say, I can't do much. It's true, you can't. But you're forgetting something. When you just give him who you are, when you hear and you start to follow. Don't despise small things. If it's a little step, don't despise it. Because God will take the small thing and make it massive in his time. I think of a fellow named Mordecai Ham who some 70 years or so ago preached a, a meeting in, in the hills of North Carolina and there were about 30 people that came out to hear him that night. He was a little discouraged because of such a small crowd. And not many people responded that night to the altar response time for salvation with the message he gave. But one young man named Billy left the chapel and walked out into the woods and fell into the tall, wet grass and cried out to God and said, God, if this is true, if you're real and you can use my life, then I'm gonna give you my life. Mordecai went to a church in the hills where 30 people were, and that night, that was Billy Graham who was laying there giving his heart to Christ. When we go where God says to go, we can't, we can't think massive, we can't think big, we just have to think, what are you doing, God? You just show me and I'll go, however big or small it looks, because we'll be afraid of the big thing. Sometimes he'll call you to do that, but he usually starts with the small things, and he will use your life. Abby's showing us that, isn't she? Here's what it says in the Bible, Job rather, twelve sixteen. to him belongs strength and victory. He can do it through you. Psalm 108.13, with God's help, we will do mighty things.